Hi, I'm Brent Stafford and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. The Globe and Mail, Canada's leading progressive newspaper, published a 5,000-word attack on the Canadian vaping industry at the end of last week and then followed up with a searing editorial on Sunday. As it appears, the purpose of the expose is to reveal scandalous and potentially criminal marketing practices on behalf of numerous Canadian vape companies in what the Globe and Mail deems is an effort to hook a new generation of young people on nicotine. Joining us today to talk about all of this is Shai Beckman. Shai is the CEO and founder of Dash Vapes, the largest independent, independently owned e-cigarette retailer and e-liquid manufacturer in Canada. Shai, thanks for joining us today again here on RegWatch. Thanks for having me on. Good, good. So you can hear me okay? I can. Good, I can hear you too as well. We had uh, quite the fun time here setting up for our show yeah. today. Um, but it looks like we're up and running. Uh, for um, the people out there that are watching us on the interwebs, please do let us know if uh, any technical difficulties pop up and we'll try to address them right away. So Shai, why don't we uh, start here uh, with some good news. Uh, you and I last saw each lost other. Lost your audio. You lost me? I, I hear you now. There okay. So, Shai, why don't we start uh, where we last saw each other, and that was not this weekend, but last weekend in Washington, D.C. We've got some great news today uh, from the president. Uh, something isn't getting done. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's great. You know, it's it's nice to see that our efforts are being heard. And um, it, it was incredible being in, in D.C. with everybody there. You know, we're Canadian. It's not really our fight there, but we, we still went and supported and it was amazing to, to have Trump fly over the crowd, and it was just incredible. So you say it's really not Canada's fight, but, you know, I, I would definitely argue that um, it is in the extent, to the extent that w when things happen in the U.S., you know, they happen in Canada just a couple of weeks after. It's, it's they sneeze, we get a cold. For sure. It's a, it's a global issue. It's, it's affecting everybody, not just Canada, but when something happens in the U.S., uh, the UK feels it, Australia feels it, everybody feels it. So when it comes to what is happening in Canada, how would you describe, how would you characterize what's going on here? So in terms of government, it seems like they are uh, waiting and listening to the evidence and they're, they're not making knee-jerk reactions, which is very nice to see. That includes uh, whatever they introdu introduced in uh, British Columbia recently. And uh, in terms of media, that's another question. Uh, the media seems to not have all the facts, and they're they're constantly misreporting and uh, omitting stuff in the uh, in the reports. And uh, that's something that me as a as a business owner, I'm trying to, to correct. Now, this is not something particularly new, now, is it? Nope. It's it's been going on for several months now, and it doesn't matter how much uh, you try to correct. Hello. Well, we did actually lose uh, Shy there. I, I, I hear you now. I hear okay. you. Uh, I still don't have your picture, though, my friend. Really? Yeah, I don't. Here, let me just, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put us on a wide shot here, and I'm just going to re-ring you back from uh, our Skype box, okay? No problem.
Alrighty. So, yeah, I think, uh, well, I've got you here on the main. There we go. It's not, uh, not that hard uh, to make this stuff work, I think. So uh, just give me a one, two, three, four there, please. One, two, three, four. All right. So there we go. Okay, so we were, we were talking about the media, and you were mentioning that it's been bad over the last you know, several months. Yeah. I, I know it's been bad for years, of course. You know that, yeah. too, as well. So what specifically, what has the media been missing in these last several months? So in the U.S., you seem to, uh, to see the media start reporting that it's vitamin E acetate, it's THC cartridges, black market THC cartridges. In Canada, we don't really have that yet. We have uh, media reporting that it's vaping-related, to avoid using e-cigarettes, and there seems to be no mention of uh, vitamin E acetate or THC or black market THC or anything of that sort. So, um, so they'll just mention uh, the vaping illnesses uh, as a part of the story, and, exactly. and and provide no context with regard to the fact that there it was cannabis products that were involved. Exactly. Yeah. And so do you? They, they don't even provide the fact that vitamin E acetate is actually illegal in Canada. From the TVPA schedule too, you can't use vitamins in a, as an ingredient in, in a vaping product. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Um, what did you think of the TVPA? Because that was quite a process you know, uh, that you know, the industry had to undergo to become regulated. Um, yeah, what did you think of that process and what did, you th what did you think about how it netted out? I think the TVPA is awesome. I think it, it actually reduces the youth uptake because you can't uh, you can't label stuff with like bubble gum or candy like they do in the States. So the government also doesn't have that ammunition to, to say that we do do that because it's been illegal for uh, almost a year now. And I can understand how then it's definitely um, uh, pretty much of a real big problem when the media continues to reference um, those, those kinds of candy names uh, when it comes to Canada. I mean, how many times do you, can you see birthday cake and bubble gum? continually to come up over and over and over again inside these articles when, I mean, that's not even relevant anymore. Yeah, it's very frustrating. It's, it's extremely frustrating to, to see reporters not doing their research. So we're going to take a look here. I just got to pull it up, um, this article that was done by the Globe and Mail. Uh, just as I'm doing that, why don't you describe to our viewers your thoughts on this specific Globe and Mail story that came out on Friday? Yeah, for sure. So obviously, uh, Carly Weeks is the reporter that did that story. And uh, she reached out to me to uh, to basically hear him. Correctly. Shai, you just, you just cut out again. Cut it open. Can you hear me now? I can. Can you see me? Yes, I can. Perfect. Whatever happened right, there, so don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying, uh, I'm going to look at the email that she sent me just so I'm not paraphrasing. Right. So she, she sent me an email and it, it was just titled media request. Uh, it was a week ago. And her biggest gripe was that we have products on our website that list, for example, in the description that have descriptions such as uh, sugary donuts, a creamy vanilla latte, a Belgian waffle with vanilla ice cream, etc. And she was under the impression that that is illegal under the TVPA. But as we know, as we know that the TVPA limits the labeling and promotion of products and not the description. You're allowed to describe a product to an adult consumer. So that's that's what I told her. And before I had a conversation with her, it seemed like she was uh, going to be scorched earth on that article. And uh, once it got published, 
it, it kind of steered away from the legalities of uh, of the TVPA into just saying, oh, but they're 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 still describing it, which we're allowed to do. It seems like there was some uh, some some of the things she brought up. She had some she had a point, you know, like the the influencer marketing uh, some companies are doing. That's illegal. The lifestyle marketing that is illegal. Uh, those companies shouldn't be marketing that way. But instead of a reporter doing that, it should be Health Canada coming to those companies and enforcing the law instead of a reporter going and, and kind of just baiting different companies into, into her story. Right. So let's just take a, uh, a look at it. And I've got uh, the feed here from our output going to you so you can see what we're look all looking at here too. And so we have the story here curated up on RegWatch. Of course, not the whole story. It's actually yep. too big. It, it, sometimes we will curate, curate a whole story, but we didn't do that this time. So you will have to go over to the Globe and Mail website. Yeah, it was very comprehensive. Yes, very much so. I believe it was around 2,500 words, maybe a bit more. No, it was 5,000, excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. It was 4,888, something like that. So it was titled, How the Vaping Industry is Targeting Teens and Getting Away With It. And, you know, first off, um, I don't think she makes the, a strong enough argument here that the vaping companies are targeting teens. I think she makes a strong argument that vaping companies are targeting youth. And with some of that targeting, they might be, you know, edging into lifestyle um, as opposed to, I don't know what else you can do because you can't talk about product benefits. So, I mean, it's a real kind of a box that Health Canada and tobacco control is placed around this industry and what you can say. So, but I don't, I don't believe that, 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 that she made a valid argument that the targeting of teens was, was, was happening. We'll talk about... Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. So, um, you know, I'm just going to read a little bit of this. Obviously, it's way too long. I'm not going to read it all, but we'll just get <laughs> us going in here. But this is how she starts her article. It's illegal for Canada's new smoking barons to sell their wares with lifestyle advertising or kid-friendly flavors. Yet, with the help of social media influencers and viral marketing, many do. So, right off the bat, either she's ignorant and doesn't understand that there is no smoke involved with vaping after all of these years and millions and millions of words and stories and, and everything. So either Carly Weeks, the reporter at Globe and Mail, is ignorant and showing that in the very first words in her story, or she's purposefully doing that. I think she's order, just biased. Yeah, so she's, well, she's, so she's doing it on purpose. It's a schmear. Yep. Yeah. That's what it seems like. I don't know. I think she might just be ignorant. It's, it's possible, but I don't. I don't think she is. She is. I, I, not I think. Uh, I think her conversation uh, was very. She, she had knowledge. You know, she she wasn't completely ignorant to the fact she knew the laws, she knew the regulations, uh, she knew she knew different companies and brands, and to be able to come up with something so comprehensive, you have to know your your material. You, you can't just come up with it. So I I think she knows full well what she's doing, and I don't think her story proved anything about uh, vape companies targeting youth. I think they. She proved that vape companies are marketing. Yeah, some vape companies have a marketing budget and they, they have people that know how to market products, but it has nothing to do with youth. So we both agree then it's likely she knows that smoking is not vaping. 100% she knows smoking is not vaping. Well, that presents, uh, that presents me with a challenge then on how, to, on how to then best describe what she's doing because, you know, it's obviously... Uh, it's ob the, the choice of using smoking baron, right? The new smoking barons. Yeah. She's talking about you. 
Yep. Right. It's calling mm-hmm. you a smoking baron. So <laughs> you might as well be Philip Morris. Right. Yep. And so, she knows the difference between me and Philip Morris as well. So it's not right. like she's ignorant to the fact that I'm not big tobacco. She knows that. So she's being malevolent then, purposefully hurtful. She, she has an agenda she is trying to, to write about, yeah. Hmm. So that's uh, what we're talking about here then when, it, when we're talking. Well, you know, this is the Globe. I, you would not see that in the National Post. No, and the Globe has been the most unfair to us, in my opinion, to, to us as an industry. Um, the Globe has been very, very, uh, I'd say, irresponsible with the reporting on this issue. Now, why irresponsible? Why the choice of that word? Because they're they're pushing people to to cigarettes with their reporting. They're they're scaring the general public not just with the the youth issue. They're scaring the general public with the illness issue. They're scaring the uh, they're scaring parents into thinking that there is a larger epidemic than there is. Uh, yes, there is an issue with youth vaping. No, the issue is not insurmountable, and the issue is not unfixable. The issue is fixed simply by creating new laws and enforcing those laws. There is no reason to ban or to vilify or to demonize uh, a life-saving alternative just because several people have an agenda that they're trying to pursue. Do you think the media has played a role, either willingly or just by sheer looking for readers and clicks, that they played a role in generating the epidemic in some sense? No, I don't think they do. I think the media is reporting what uh, health officials trusted, credible health officials are telling them. Uh, if I put myself in their shoes, I probably report the same thing without the knowledge that I have. Uh, it's up to the health units and the, the CDC and the FDA to set the record straight because they're the ones that are conflating uh, different messages and causing this uh, the confusion that we're seeing. True, true, true. So back to the uh, back to the article here. I just want to make sure that we're giving people some breadth and scope here. So this is just how much we actually curated let's actually go to the article here on the globe and mail and again i i'm not going to do a lot of reading i'm just going to do a scan and we'll pick up we'll pick up a couple of spots just at the start here so she explains and rightly so uh information in a very matter of fact way uh with regard to how vaping became legal in canada and I think that that's kind of that that's information that regular readers do need to understand because so many Canadians didn't actually know that vaping actually became legal. And certainly with regard to all of the uh, hysteria going on, it was a surprise to many to find out that that was indeed the case, that vaping was legal in Canada. So she does a good service here. And one of the yep. things that she's she says right off the bat, and I this is such a major warning uh, because Health Canada, when uh, we sat down with Susie McDonald, then Director General of the Tobacco Control Director at Health Canada, back in 2017, in January, January, February of 2017, and she said something to this effect, and here, let's pull this out. E-cigarettes were legalized in Canada as a less harmful alternative to smoking, but as a condition, laws were put in place to help ensure the products didn't fall into the hands of young non-smokers. That, out of the entire article, to me, is the most dangerous of lines because um, it is certain that that did not come from reporters' knowledge. I'm, I'm yeah. 100% positive of that. That had to come in the dossier that 
the Canadian Cancer Society has given her, uh, or directly from Health Canada, because Health Canada did say that to us. Not, it, it, not so quite, but this is, this is the card that they have to play to shut down the Canadian vaping industry, right? Yep. Adrian yep. Dix, uh, the health minister in British Columbia, used it last week, and he said that all governments have gotten this wrong. Specifically, the federal government has gotten this wrong. And that's the mantra that's going to be out, is that Health Canada got it wrong. And Health Canada did indeed uh, say that uh, we're putting all of this in place, but everything with the flavors kind of hinges upon what happens with the kids. And that's yep. the condition. Yep. And it, I, I personally don't have an issue with what they said uh, from that line that you just uh, highlighted. I think it's fair. I think it's fair for them to want to make this technology available to adult smokers as a less harmful alternative, while still thinking about making sure that kids don't, aren't able to get access to these products. It, it's a fair statement, in my opinion. But what that's, but let's just make sure we're very clear on that statement. The statement uh, doesn't actually say kids. It says to ensure the I products. Lost you again. Can you hear me? Sorry? I can hear you now, yeah. Okay. Yep, so, yep. again, that, that line there, which is the issue, it says to help ensure the products didn't fall into the hands of young non-smokers. That's different than what Health Canada said at the time, which was definitely about, you know, teens. This yeah. is a reframing of that condition and talking about young non-smokers. So that could be a 21-year-old. Yeah, if they don't smoke, I still think they shouldn't use uh, vaping devices. Uh, just, I, I personally am a true believer that these products should only be used by adult smokers who are looking to, to transition away from smoking, of course. There's no reason, it, even though we know that they're 95% less harmful than combustible tobacco, a never smoker is still introducing some level of harm if, if they were to never smoke before and pick up vaping. We don't want that. We want to ensure that we're getting adult smokers to transition away from combustible tobacco with these products. Right. Hmm. Present me with a bit of a challenge here because I certainly have always believed and said that I've been always skeptical of the industry yep. you know, since mm -hmm. we first started because I would hear stories like that right off of the bat and I'd be like, yeah, but you know, where are your new customers going to come from? There's always going to be new customers. As long as cigarettes are legal, people are starting to smoke and we're always going to be there to transition them away from smoking. There will always be new smokers. Unless they make them illegal. So in a strange way, vape, the vaping industry and tobacco control have the same goal as to ensure that there's structural smoking in place in order for business to stay going. Well, no. I, I, for me, I got into this business as a way for adult smokers to be able to quit smoking the same way I did. And for me, I, I never got into it for the money. I got into it for altruistic reasons 100%. And as long as tobacco is legal and cigarettes are legal, I will always have customers to transition. That doesn't mean that I advocate for tobacco to be legal. In fact, I would actually prefer if tobacco was completely illegal and nobody smoked. And I'd be perfectly fine with my business dying if I had no new customers because cigarettes were illegal. Well, that's definitely the, that's definitely the position uh, of, I would say, the diehard vaping position. And it's one, yep. that, it's one that tobacco control, and this reporter certainly doesn't, uh, doesn't believe. Um, 
it was yeah. definitely part of the story that she was discussing more towards the end was that uh, was that the it, that it was incomprehensible to a certain extent to believe that the companies weren't would not be looking to grow the market. Yeah, uh, we have no shareholders to talk to or to. There, there's nobody that we have to report to. We're doing it as grassroots, as small mom and pops. Uh, some some of us, like us, for example, we're larger. We're still mom and pop, though, compared to uh, Big Tobacco and Jewel. We're, we're tiny. So we, we have our reasons for getting into this industry, and they're simply to get people to stop smoking. And anybody that is a grassroots uh, vaping company and a mom and pop most likely has the same, uh, same beliefs. Describe for us your business, um, you know, for, because obviously the majority of our viewers are familiar with the industry, if not in it, or are customers of it, but not everybody knows um, Dash Vapes because they're in the U.S. and so forth. Yep. So the scope of your business, how many stores, you know, how big? Yeah, we're a national company. We have two distribution centers, one in Ontario, one in British Columbia. Uh, we have 12 retail locations and we serve about 150,000 uh, customers per month online. So we're we're fairly large, but again, compared to Jewel and Big Tobacco, we're we're a grain of sand. Grain of sand. So Jewel and uh, the other big in the and I, I've just gotten into a habit now of just saying and the other big tobacco brands because yep. uh, trying to differentiate Jewel from big tobacco I think is just very difficult uh, to do. I, I'm just not certain whether or not if even that's worth the time anymore to try to make that distinction. I know that there is a distinction there, but it's certainly not seen in the public's mind. And more and more and more and more and more within the industry, there really does seem to be just two sides. There's the open system segment, the, the traditional part of the industry that built it, and then the other side, which can only be described as big tobacco. Yeah, yeah, there is definitely a distinction. We're doing our best. Uh, I know I'm doing my best in terms of uh, making sure that distinction is clarified when, I, when I'm in front of media. Uh, and I know a lot of my colleagues are as well. And that is a big distinction. We are not big tobacco. We, if vaping disappeared tomorrow, we have no hedge. Tobacco companies have cigarettes as a hedge if, uh, if vaping got banned. So, so we, we fight and advocate because we, we truly believe in these products. It's not because of uh, financial reasons. So is the fight uh, going well in Canada? Because it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. It's not as loud, it's not as boisterous. Yeah. It's, it's a bit more, I use the term, uh, you know, shiny suit progressivity, right? So <laughs> it's happening in the back rooms more than it is, you know, happening out, yeah. out in the fight. So all of a sudden you'll get the Global Mail pop up and this will be happening and then, and then it'll go away and then you've got I mean, how coordinated is it, or all these efforts, do you think? So I, I, all I know is what we're doing and uh, what the CVA is doing. And I can tell you that the regulations we've, uh, we've seen in BC, for example, are much, much better than what they're seeing in the United States. Uh, that leads us to believe that not only are governments taking our input, but governments aren't doing knee-jerk reactions. They're not letting the conflation of a THC products and nicotine products muddy their, their decision making and it's it's great to see for example in bc the the thing i i worry about the most is the tax that's introduced and not because it's a it's an extra tax but because it's it's a syntax it, if they're using the tax money for education and enforcement i'd be the first person to be all for it 
I'd say go ahead, tax it, use that money to enforce and educate uh, the public. But they're not. They're using it as a deterrent. And what that's going to do is it's going to deter adult smokers from trying these products and not youth. Youth are not going to care about an extra 7% in tax or 13% in tax. Yeah. So, BC, there was a term that the education minister used, and that was unleash, uh, you know, peers on peers as a part yeah. of their education program. And he used the word unleash three times. Yeah. And I just can't imagine that that can't be government-sponsored bullying. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, in my opinion, it's, it's stupid. Um, I'll, I'll say it very, very upfront. Um, I don't think it's going to achieve anything. Uh, kids want what they can't have. They're going to always want what they can't have. The only way to combat it is to enforce your existing laws. We have laws in Canada that prohibit these products from getting accessed by youth. Enforce them. And you'll see the uptake decrease substantially. Limit these products to adult-only environments. You're going to see that issue diminish incredibly fast. You know, th there's ways to, to tackle this issue without hurting anybody, including people are going to say, but these products need to be a convenience stores. Yeah, they, they, they should be a convenience stores in an age-restricted area where they have to get ID to actually access these products. And I believe that's the same way that cigarettes should be sold as well. Kids shouldn't be going into a convenience store and seeing a vape on top of chocolate bars. It is, it is wrong. And until they fix that, which I'm, I'm sure they will, we're always going to have this, this argument. So then, obviously, based on what you just said, um, you're on the side of the debate that says kill the point-of-sale advertising, the point-of-sale display, if not take out uh, these devices... Uh, from convenience stores altogether. 100%. And you don't have to take them out. You just have to make them make an age-restricted uh, area. That's all they need to do. They need to make a small area where they get it. When a person enters, they get ID to actually enter it and get these, these products away from the chocolate bars, from the point of sale, from everywhere. Should uh, devices uh, with closed systems that come obviously already loaded with flavor, should, should they be restricted to just tobacco only at those locations? No, I don't think so. If it's age-restricted, there's no reason to restrict it to, to tobacco only. You're only selling to, to adults. So part of the issue is that we know this, both in the U.S. and Canada, is that a large majority of teens who get their hands on these vaping products are getting them through social sources. And that, that's a fancy word for generally meaning somebody who's of age, yeah. of legal age, giving it to them. Yeah, you're never going to solve that, though. Uh, you, you, I, when I used to smoke cigarettes when I was 13 years old, I'd get it from my older brother or I'd get it from a camp out of a convenience store and ask somebody to buy me a pack of cigarettes. You're never going to solve that because it's an actual age-verified purchase unless you introduce uh, heavy fines for people that are, are offending. Now, Tobacco Control would say, though, that um, cigarettes, they've done a fantastic job over the decades of really actually scaring people away from that. It's only the dregs uh, of society uh, that continue to smoke. And so their thoughts are, and, and I feel that I can, after covering this for four years, that I can, I can uh, use my sense of empathy to go inside of the parasitical brain of a tobacco controller mm -hmm. and, and say that they believe that vaping is actually an attractive thing. And, and they do probably know, which they do, that it is less harmful. And so people may indeed take up recreational nicotine use 
or whatever, they don't believe they can control vaping because vaping, the whole, the whole message of, of dying and stuff around it up until just recently yeah. has, has not, they've not been able to attach that. So yeah. in their mind, they're stamping their feet hysterically trying to get the government to do something that the market won't do and that consumers absolutely hate because they're choosing the products. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't envy them. You know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough issue, but until we have actual real data that shows that vaping is harmful, I, I think they're just being, uh, I, I don't want to say overly cautious. I think they're just, th there's a reason why these products are being vilified right now. And that reason is, Michael Bloomberg spent, what was it, $160 million into making sure that these products are, uh, an education on these products. $160 million gets you exactly what you're seeing now. You're seeing established, credible associations like the American Heart Association, the Lung Associations. They're all coming out against it. Not because they truly believe that it's, it's horrible for you because of money and it's sad. And it's, it, it's really put, uh, it, it's made my belief in the system, uh, pretty shaky because these these associations are supposed to be credible they're supposed to want what's best for the public health and they're they're being very very reckless right now well i i couldn't agree with you more i mean seriously like it is it's bad out there these people you know these people at the voluntary health associations and i yeah. just hate that term i mean i call them and others <laughs> do too as well i did not coin this term but they are the tobacco control mafia they oh, yeah. uh, 100%. I mean, they don't gonna, exist without them. Absolutely. I've got a I've got a list actually of them which we'll show in a second. I wanted to show you this and that's and this is a part of the Bloomberg money. And so people are bumping up so anytime you're reading anything in the news, the chances are that Bloomberg's propaganda has influenced it. It is extremely high. But oh, it, yeah. it also happens when you're searching. So um, if I search dash vapes, mm -hmm. right? Oh, well I guess if I maybe put a space no, no, just scroll down. I know no, exactly no. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, right here. Boom, right at the top. Yeah. Anything that you search for vaping in Canada or the U.S., if it's got the word vape in it and probably all the other keywords that they've got, you're getting always the top number one return from yep. uh, flavorshookkids.org every yep. single time. And then you also have Canada. Uh, they've got their ad. It's this government of Canada, and they've actually got one that's pretty... This one's the tame, get the facts. They've also got, yeah. you know, uh, some crap ones too. So if folks have not yet gone over to Flavors Hook Kids, this is powered by Tobacco Free California, which is just, just a piece of freaking work. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> they've been for the entire four years we've been covering this, they've been like the, they are the arch enemy of vaping. And they just, they take it so far over the top, it's not even funny. And yeah. so this site, uh, and right now, and they just switched it over to Governor Sign's vaping epidemic executive order. Just looking at these pictures of how they're showing these kids, it's, it's showing them as addicts and, and, yeah. are, and fighting and True. girls pushing yeah. each other, right? Yeah. Have you just, seen the, the video that was recently posted that cats, uh, something, cat, it's, it's basically, a, you know, the truth orange? Yes. It's their ad where the, the kids are like, they have worms in their face. Oh. But they used cats instead. And it sounds just as ridiculous as the Truth Orange ads. It adds, it looks just as realistic as those ads do. And it's, it's pretty sad. So, yeah. And I mean, yeah, it, it's brutal. 
I mean, FDA alone, when you talk about Bloomberg doing what he does, well, FDA's budget for five years is $650 million. Yep. And that's just, that's their advertising uh, and an agency budget is $650 million in five years. And, that's, and, that's, and that just got re-upped last year. So, I mean, they've been spending this kind of money. So this nicotine equals brain poison. Flavors yeah, mask it's, the it's, harsh it's taste of tobacco, which makes it easier for kids to smoke. And so I mean, it's not, ugh. <laughs> and most kids don't know that flavored e-cigarettes are high in nicotine. Well, if you've got kids out there that don't know that uh, the vape, the e-cigarette they're sucking on is got nicotine in them, well then what Stop the hell to look at the packaging. Yeah, like look at the packaging and shake your head. That kid should be in a ver in a school that is totally targeted to people who are slow. That's all <laughs> I can say. Because uh, for one, I mean, this they've splashed this all over the world in, in terms of media for years now, and that and and they're educating these kids to stay away from this thing that's poison, and the poison is the nicotine. And but they're here going, well, some kids don't even know that there's high doses of nicotine. And well, those few people that don't know, you need to get them off of the street, and and give them special education, mm -hmm. right? Um, no, it's that. That's. Ju I, I don't think there's a single person that doesn't know, and I don't think there's ever been a single person that doesn't know. No, no. The jewel not. that they're vaping on has nicotine, especially if you never smoked and you get the throat hit after your first puff. You know there's something in there. You, you'd never mistake it. No. Well, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's just crazy. Anyhow, I mean, the the people that know the most about where substances that can get you high are, are kids, right? I mean, they yep. they absolutely. I mean, it's just insane. So, but that's part of the insanity. And it was even in uh, Carly Week's story at the Globe and Mail, she quoted at some point there in her 5,000 words that 96% of kids surveyed said that they like uh, uh, e-cigarette, flavored e-cigarettes. And 100% of adults surveyed also like flavors. In well, e and 100% of e-cigarettes come with flavor. Yeah. Like they, they, and they do this in the States all the time. So if we look back here again, uh, oh, sorry. I thought I was on. Uh, thought I was on the right. There we go. Uh, I'm getting all excited here. So uh, nicotine equals brain poison. So I don't know if everyone saw that. So flavors master harsh taste of tobacco, which makes it easier for kids to smoke. Uh, and most kids don't know that flavored e-cigarettes are high nicotine. Unbelievable. And then, of course, how to identify flavored products? Well, they're all flavored. It's just yeah. incessant. It's just it's just so stupid that yeah. it's so stupid that it can't be on purpose. When when they're doing when they're doing uh, polls and releasing polls saying you're like again you know ninety percent of kids favor uh, vaping products with flavor. What? <laughs> no so shit. Where, so where where are those ten percent? Where are they getting the the unflavored? Mm -hmm. uh, goo tasting e-cigarette. It's not. A, it's just insane. Now you're a guy that makes uh, vaping products. You make e-juice, yep. right? So you do. make a lot of e-juice. Yep. I can understand. As I understand, yep. what responsibilities do you feel that you have as a manufacturer in Canada of e-juice to, in in terms of making the e-juice and your packaging and marketing, yep. uh, to be a responsible uh, manufacturer? Yeah, so I, 
for me, we, we're on an ISO 9001 certified facility, both in Ontario and in British Columbia. They're both GMP certified and HACCP certified. So that's something we do to make sure that our production quality and quality control is of the highest standard. And I would expect any juice getting manufactured these days to, to be manufactured in similar environments. And you know what's funny? Uh, I'm actually working on a, on a startup right now in the food industry. And for you to build a commercial kitchen, all you need is just a clean space with stainless steel. You don't need any certification. You, 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 need, you could get HACCP certified, but you don't need to be ISO, GMP, and you're handling food that people are ingesting. For our facilities to be as clean and as high quality as they are is a testament not just to us. It's a testament to the industry because we're not the only ones. And we followed other companies to, to achieve those standards. And it's, it seems like without even being told to do this, uh, the industry is being responsible and ensuring that the quality standards are of the highest uh, standard that you could get. And you don't see that in any other industry. You just won't see people dropping a million dollars on labs uh, when they don't have to. Yeah, and that's certainly true. There's been a lot of self-regulating going on in the industry previous to the TVPA and a lot of initiative uh, at the outset. It just seems at some, po at some point, though, that's not recognized. Uh, do you think Health Canada recognized it? I, the issue is going to be here is whether or not um, the public, the industry are going to be able to get Health Canada's back enough and those that are inside of Health Canada that are still vape-friendly um, can be supported enough to where Health Canada doesn't back down. Because obviously the entire play here is to push Health Canada to do a mea culpa and say they made a mistake. And once they do that, how far that goes in terms of you know whiplashing on regulations, well, I mean, it's hard to say because you know, a lot of provinces are, are talking full flavor bans. Yeah, I don't think you'll ever see Health Canada do a mea culpa and uh, say, yeah, this is great. You just won't because Again, they're scared that youth are going to take their words and think it's completely harmless and start vaping. No, I don't uh, mean that. I mean the mea culpa being that that they uh, they say to cancer society, Canadian oh, cancer society, it. we yeah. got it wrong. You're right. Yeah. We got it wrong. And tell the public we got it wrong. Because right now at this point, Health Canada's reputation is on the line. Because yeah. they went, went through a five-year process, went through all of their science, and everything else, and they put their stamp of approval on it. I mean, they yep. literally put their stamp of approval on the devices, the juices, the technology, all of it. It is fine to inhale in your lungs. Uh, if it was not, then Health Canada should pull the products off the shelf, and there should be a massive investigation on why the regulatory agency failed in such a dramatic fashion that a first world country could allow an entire industry to you know, explode up and murder Canadians because and approve those products. But that's not the case. Their science said it was safe. Safer, yeah. safe enough, yeah. safe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, the backtracking is on, ooh, we can't keep them out of the hands of kids. Ooh, now we can't keep them out of the hands of young people. You know, well, that's not a failure I, I, of science. Yeah, I, I think you're gonna, my personal opinion, this isn't insider info and I'm not privy to any information that this will happen. But I think uh, you'll see the federal government move towards something that the BC government did with the nicotine cap and uh, uh, the, the adult-only environments for flavors. Even though I might not agree with it, I think it'd be better to just limit existing retailers to adult-only uh, spaces 
I think it's just an easier way for them, and it's an easy out that satisfies everybody for the most part, but we'll see what happens. So would a nicotine cap of 20 milligrams uh, per milliliter, would that hurt your business? It'll hurt my business because there's customers that use it, but I'm going to get a lot of heat for this. I think it's it's a step in the right direction. Uh, You could, somebody vaping 50 milligrams in a Calibrin, for example, could drop down to 20 milligrams in a Zenith tank, and they'll get the same experience, if not better. Um, the high nicotine makes it very easy to get an addiction at 50 milligrams or 60 milligrams like a Juul is. A uh, kid using When they're using it regularly, it, it's, it's, it's unnecessary, in my opinion. And there is a way to, to lower the nicotine while still getting the same experience. It might not be as discreet, it might not be as small, but it'll be just as satisfying and it'll help uh, smokers transition. So, Shai, that was a pretty important answer there from you, and you cut out uh, in the middle of it, and so has your picture. <laughs> so your well, audio is back, but I'm going ha- to redial you uh, ag- again so we can get your picture. Just going to throw us on uh, the old wine shot here. All right, try. Okay, there we go. Got you there, but not there. How much of that did you hear? Yeah. uh, Well, look. Why why don't I just ask you that again? And you were started by saying uh, that uh, you might get, you know, you might get some, you know, pushback here. So let me just ask you that again. Will would a twenty milligram per milliliter nicotine cap hurt your business? So it'll hurt my business because we do have some customers that utilize uh, nicotine higher than 20 milliliter, uh, milligrams, but I think it's it's a step in the right direction because if you're vaping 50 milligrams, you could easily drop down to 20 milligrams, use a high, higher power device and get the same experience and still stay off of uh, combustible tobacco. And 50 and 60 milligram nicotine is just unnecessary. Yeah, I can see how a kid that picks up a Juul for the first time starts vaping on a Juul they, they get a nicotine addiction because it's 60 milligrams of nicotine. It is unnecessary. 20 milligrams has been proven to work well in the UK. It's, in my opinion, a good limit. It was the limit we introduced ourselves uh, probably six years ago when it was just free-based nicotine. And you raise your power, you lower your nicotine, you're going to get the same experience, if not better. It might not be as discreet or as sexy of a device or as convenient or as stealthy, but if your goal is to quit smoking, it's going to be perfectly satisfying uh, in order to achieve that. Yeah, so all of those things that you just said there are like music to the ears of, of those that are anti-vaping, because it, and especially the ones that want to keep it out of the hands yeah. of kids, because they, yeah. they want it to be less stealthy. They want it to be less yeah, convenient. It should be. It should be less stealthy. It should be less convenient. It, sh- it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be able to hide it in, in the palm of your hand and vape in class. You know what I mean? Like, we never had this issue because devices were never that stealthy. They were they were never able to become that small and produce that little amount of vapor while delivering an obscene amount of nicotine. It, it sixty milligrams is an obscene amount of nicotine. It, it's I've always said it. It's too high. Right. I just don't know what I'm going to do on the airplane anymore. 
yeah, exactly. There you go. You proved my point. Yeah, there's only certain kinds of devices that you can be. Yeah. I mean, I'm an adult. I like to be stealthy too, as well. I mean, and but by it's the way, vapor on plane. And by the way, just just so we can play on words, I want to thank our supporter uh, that has been uh, with us for the last couple of months, and that is Stealth. Um, here in Canada, and it's a good opportunity here for me to quickly mention, um, of course, that you can go to support.regulatorwatch.com. That's support.regulatorwatch.com. And uh, take a look around and see if you can possibly be able to help us out. Uh, and these are the companies right now that are doing that. Flavor Art, of course, is an anchor sponsor who's been around for a long time. We would not be here without them. And Stealth has been doing a great job supporting us over the last two months, and we hope they stick with it. And Demand Vape and Juno. Oh, John Glauser, got to thank him. And obviously, a lot of people played a big role in helping get our to get our DC rally coverage uh, done. But John and Demand and Juno really came through for us um, in a big way and lifted lifted us up right over the line. And so I can't thank John Glauser enough. And of course, he's with VTA and Antonio Bood and all those guys. Thank you so much. Again, that's uh, Demand, Vape, and Juno out of the U.S. And our monthly rock stars, uh, they are growing. Uh, they are growing, but we see we've got a couple of spaces here right now. And so just go to support.regulatorwatch.com. I threw up a little bit of, you know, info on how you can get up here. But, you know, one-time support, monthly support would be great. And then, of course, these are all of the great companies that have supported RegWatch over the years, including Dash Vapes, who really helped us out earlier this year uh, when we did the original epidemic coverage in Canada. And I'm soon to actually get... All, all of the individual supporters up soon here too as well. I'm just obviously uh, always working on getting content made. So thank you very much everybody who supports regulatorwatch.com and we still do need your help. Every month we gotta, we gotta make the pitch um, and uh, we're happy to do it. So um, Shai, I want to uh, read for, uh, for you and everyone uh, a few bits and pieces from an article that I wrote uh, over the weekend b based on some stuff that, you know, I've been talking about on the show for the last month and a half, two months. Um, and I wrapped it around Trump. So we don't normally do articles. And this one's actually a feature length. It's about half the size of the Globe and Mail piece, in fact, actually. Um, and it's uh, Trump trap. Did progressives overreach on vape ban? And I make the point right off the bat that no doubt progressives embedded within the public health deep state thought they had President Trump boxed into a corner. And just like that, the Trump flavor ban is dead. But for a heart-wrenching two months, it appeared otherwise. After decades evangelizing the evils of smoking, five years of pumping the dangers of e-cigarettes and vaping, and following 12 months of jewel-inspired hysteria over the so-called youth vaping epidemic, President Trump and the American public were primed to fall for one of the biggest public health lies of all time, vaping kills. And that really was the lie uh, that they were pushing, was it not? Yeah, yeah, they were trying to conflate the illnesses and deaths in the U.S. and to the and try to mix it into the youth epidemic issue, and they were trying to use both of those to to create new legislation in the U.S. Absolutely. So I'm just jumping through. Simply, the lung illnesses were vaping related, but while thousands had fallen sick and dozens had died, the culprit was not nicotine vaping. The illnesses were a result of vaping illicit black market cannabis products, not legal nicotine vaping products. 
As early as September 6, reports in the media identified illicit THC vaping products as the cause of the illnesses. The public should have been warned then about the dangers of vaping cannabis products. Instead, FD Instead, CDC, almost said FDA, though they were doing that, <laughs> falsely conflated nicotine vaping as the cause and warned the public to stop using e-cigarettes and nicotine products altogether. Millions of people were scared into giving up vaping, and many likely returned to smoking. I do want everyone to read this article in terms of its flow. Um, I, I wrote it in a in a interestingly disjointed manner, which does definitely work, at least in my mind. So, but I'm even jumping around more here. But uh, our, our good friends in the tobacco control mafia, which uh, the list, every time I, I just, I see these, com these people, I'm, I'm doing a lot of research right now. You might find this interesting, um, Shai, that I'm doing a lot of work right now when I'm going into these companies and I'm looking at their, their board their advisory board, and I'm and I'm also trying to pull names from like five years ago and ten years ago, and then finding them online, and it's just a sorry you know group of people. I mean, nobody, if you know, if these were people at a family wedding or something, you wouldn't be walking around them. You you wouldn't be talking to them. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it's crazy. They're you know where their funding comes from, and you know what their mission is. Their mission is if if people aren't getting sick. They're out of business. So, you know, it's sad for me to think of it that way because up until maybe four or five months ago, I actually thought these organizations are credible. I thought that they had the public health interest at heart. That is not true. That is what I found in the last f uh, three, four, five months now that these companies are just trying to protect their, their jobs. And it's sad. It's sad that public health organizations are stooping down to that. So after all of the experience with them coming after the industry, it, it took their, you know, what, how they handled this lung illness, it took that to break it. Yeah. Yeah. Because previously you could just say they're misinformed. They're just being cautious. They're, you know, they're, they don't know the facts. Oh, they know the facts. They're, they're purposely conflating different issues and they're purposely driving people back to smoking. Oh, I, well, I certainly agree with that. Um, here's uh, one of the kickers with Trump. At some point, Trump went, oh, crap. <laughs> yep. Crap. Uh, he must have asked himself, why do I think FDA and CDC are any different than the State Department or the intelligence services? The deep state doesn't have my interests or the interests of my supporters at heart on any issue. Why should I believe them now? Come to think of it, why didn't my HHS secretary and FDA commissioner inform me that there were two sides to the debate and then brief me about how countries like Canada and especially the UK have made vaping products fully legal and fully endorse them as tools to help people quit smoking? I've been lied to, which of course he was. And then the litany of my little Trump internal Trump conversation uh, going on here is a good one to read, but when you, you go through it, you go, yeah, like, here's a guy that's woken up. And clearly, he woke up. And so, at this point, now that he's recognized that his enemies, who exist for every single other issue, are the same enemies on vaping, right? There's a shot for vaping to make it through the PMTA. And, you know, you can have a, have a read on this, and I, I'm not going to give the uh, kicker to that, Um I highly recommend people to go and uh, give it a read. So, guys, we're wrapping up here. What does 
what does Health Canada have to do? Because it's not really what does the industry have to do this to satisfy Health Canada. It's what does Health Canada have to do to satisfy Canadian Cancer Society and and those folks that are not going to stop braying until some action of some sort is taken. Yeah, they have to reduce the access uh, youth have to these products. They have to start by banning all national advertising. You shouldn't be able to advertise these products at a TTC bus stop or at a hockey game or anywhere that has a lot of youth uh, present. And you need to restrict these products to adult-only environments. That will be the biggest, uh, biggest one for uh, for youth access. So we're going to. They're have- not getting exposed to it. At, if 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 they're going into a convenience store, they're not, no longer being exposed to these products uh, when it's a, when it's only available at adult-only environments. So we're going to have Daniel David uh, on, who represents Vita, which is the yep. which is the new uh, industry association that Joel's a part of, and others yep. too as well, and. Um, what do you think about that, about that organization and about what they're trying to achieve? Yeah, I have a lot of respect for some of their board members. I have a lot of respect for Mike uh, from Divine. I have a lot of respect for Daniel David and uh, Daniel Marion. And I, it wouldn't be the route I go and choose to, to go through advocacy. But if they're doing something and fighting for the industry, then all the power to them. Uh, I think they're going to have a hard time with BT being on, uh, on the board, actually getting people to listen to them. But if they if they choose an avenue which allows for education and to use their their big dollars to to educating the public and governments maybe not directly, then I think they could be successful. Again, yeah. it wouldn't be the route I would go through. And then, um, I mean, obviously, their one of their sides is to keep products in convenience stores and the ability to continue to do point of sale and other advertising and allow allow me to make a point that I've made on the show now for about a year and a half, almost two years, which will sound like a Vita point, but it's something that I've made up, yeah. made made many times. And that is that, you know, with the no comparisons clause in place, that being the case, right? The the only place that, uh, that the industry can control its messaging and get positive messaging about vaping out where vaping is normalized is if the products are at point of sale where, and advertised at point of sale, because that does indeed normalize the product. So when they're saying that, when opponents are saying that it normalizes the product, I go, yeah, if it's good point of sale marketing, that's exactly the point. But is that a fair trade-off? Do we want to make more vapors at the expense of having you uh, be shown these products at point of sales? Or do we want to restrict these products to adult-only environments that a smoker should have to go to anyways and see those products there at a point of sale where it's guaranteed to be adult only. So I guess that's the issue for me then, is that I believe that kids are human beings that have agency as individuals. And I don't see how that just because they see a message that they're gonna somehow get the device. So you have to to suppose that there are going to be irresponsible um, people behind the counter that are just you know willy-nilly selling these devices to kids right at that point well, there sale. are we've done uh i don't know if you looked at the video that dave did uh where we had our, <clears throat> our internal audit team go to convenience stores and uh i think it was three out of four convenience stores sold to our underage buyer none of the vape shops sold to an underage buyer so it, it was small sample size 
but it's even more telling that out of 75% of the convenience stores sold to an under, underage buyer without with, without any hesitation. You know, the, the buyer even negotiated the fact of why they didn't have an ID with one of them, and they still sold it to him. It, well, it is ridiculous. Well, I, it, it, but I'm astounded always, continually, that that we can trust these clerks behind the counter at a C store selling deadly cigarettes. But, but you can't. can't tr- but we can't trust them to sell Jewel. You can't trust them to not sell cigarettes because that's how kids get access to cigarettes. I used to go into a convenience store when I used to smoke. I would just show them a credit card I had and be like, "Oh, I forgot my ID, but I have a credit card. I must be 18, right?" And get cigarettes sold to me that way. It's yeah, Shell might not sell to kids, but your little mom and pop convenience store that is barely breaking even, struggling to make ends meet, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll sell to kids. So uh, the last question then about uh, Carly Weeks and the Globe and Mail piece, um, do you think she did all of that research on her own? It, there just seems to be a considerable amount of, of you know, examples, yeah. one after another. Do you think she did the primary research or did she just do, you know, the follow up where she just verified? I think she did all of it. Uh, after talking to her, she's a she's a bright woman. She's smart. She's not. Uh, she's not. You know, she doesn't pretend like she doesn't know anything. She, she knows the industry probably just as well as we do. And she, she does. She makes a willing, fully, uh, willing full decision to, to post what she does and to write what she does. She, she knows what she's doing. That's almost well. That's more dangerous than somebody who just doesn't know better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. It, I don't know if it's because she's trying to appease uh, somebody at the globe or if it's what she truly believes. But make no mistake, she knows exactly what's going on in the industry. So, any last uh, points you want to make? Writes for knowing all of that. What was that? Sorry. And she still writes what she does, knowing all of that. So she knows the truths and the myths of the industry, and she still writes what she does, knowing all of that. Uh, well, that's super. Well, Shai, uh, I think we made it through uh, this episode uh, with you still on the line. So let's just leave it there. And uh, I want to thank you on behalf of our audience for coming on today uh, and sharing some of your insights on the industry in Canada. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate it. Anytime, my friend. Well, that's it for this edition of RegWatch. Now, before you head off, please go to support.regulatorwatch.com, dig into that wallet, find a few dollars, kick it over to us. You'll feel better for it. You know you will. And we'll thank you too as well. And before you go, go to Facebook, like us, and head over to Twitter, and don't forget to follow us, follow us there. So for regulatorwatch.com, I'm Brent Stafford.